Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, happy Sunday. Hey, hey, hey. We uh, are at church or on our way or wherever you are. Happy Lord's Day. Yeah. Hey, let us know if you go to, if you're not part of our church, let us know what church you go to. I'd be interested to hear that. Podcast.compassntx.org. Several of you, we know, we know where you go because right. of you're either at our church or you're at a church in California that we know about. But there's several of you that probably don't go to either one of those. And I'd love to hear what churches you're coming from. Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be encouraging. Podcast at compassntx. Org. And also, if you listen from overseas, we'd love to know that too. You know, at that we, we we've been scratching our heads. If you happen to be one of those strange people, we'd like to know who you are. That would be fantastic. Yeah, because my suspicion is you're just listening on a VPN and it's bouncing you to wherever you know. VPN may, is and next. if that is you, that would be we'd like to know that too, just for fun. <laughs> you get nothing out of this, right? In fact, someday we will have swag. Someday, you know, with the podcast growing as rapidly as it is, I mean, we're reaching cross national and all of these. <laughs> Tens of people. Tens of people listening every single day. And I think people, you know, a sticker wouldn't be bad. That'd be kind of fun. A sticker, maybe a, uh, maybe a pair of shoes, a limited run. I, I a, like how you went from sticker to shoes. Like that's some <laughs> most logical sneakerheads would do it. It would, you know, a pair of shoes with, you know, something that is limited edition. Custom Nikes, daily custom Bible Nikes. Podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're on the same wavelength. So if we do that, I think people, uh, back me up, folks, that people will buy that. Yeah, yeah, sure they will. Sure they will. If you wore them when you preach, I think you would have a much better opportunity to promote the Bible podcast. In fact, you know who wears sneakers when he preaches? This will surprise you. This will surprise you. I guarantee it. Because you think about him, you think of him as a you think of him as a buttoned up kind of guy. You know, right. buttoned up, buttoned up it, buttoned up, buttoned up it kind of guy. Matt Boswell. When I visited his church, yeah. he was wearing a, a blazer yeah. and you know, a nice shirt underneath, and you know, a nice pair of uh, either slacks or pants. I couldn't, I can't remember, but he had on like a, a really cool pair of Nike sneakers. Yeah. I'm good with that. If you're rocking the jeans, I don't like the sneakers with the, the dress pants. Look, I can't remember. Um, it probably was cause I don't know if it would make sense. Right. Yeah. I, it probably was jeans. I don't want to besmirch his name and his fashion. Sense. There are people that, that rock the sneakers with, with dress slacks, like the NF Sunday NFL guys, the announcers that are there during halftime to talk about what's going on in all the games. Like some of those guys rock the suits and then they've got Nikes. I could see that. I, okay. Yeah, I could see that. I guess it depends on a few elements. Yeah. But I could see that working. I might try that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. My next wedding. We, yes. You're ne- there you go. Because one of our responsibilities as those that are in a position of leadership in the church, which we're talking about leadership in our- To recommend shoes. Daily Bible reading. Uh, yeah, to recommend shoes. No, but we need to dress in such a way as <clears throat> to not distract from what it is that we're called to do. And so there's- there's a way to err on both sides of that equation. But if yeah. somebody walks away remembering, oh man, Pastor PG was wearing a suit and he, then he was rocking Nikes, then I haven't done my job. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on a second here. Just because someone remembers what you wear. And I'm not sugge- I'm not saying, I'm not accusing Boswell or that church of being like that. Well, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm saying in general. If someone remembers what you wear though, does, does that necessarily imply that you didn't do your job? No, no, because you don't want to dress like a slob either. Okay, right. And, and so there's... But there's, yeah, that's the other ditch that you're referring to. Right. And so there's a middle ground that you have to find. And and yet, it's you have to be careful with that. Because if, if something that you wear is so out of place, or if you're trying to 
to set a trend or following a trend that is that is very new on the scene. Okay. When you're dressing and you're on the platform, I, I think you run the risk of people noticing that to the detriment of what you're saying. Not the whole time, but it can be a distraction. Sure. And there's always a danger that when you're up on stage, it becomes about you and not what you're there to do. I, I understand that entirely. But within our culture, I would I would wager that the the realm of what's acceptable is wide. Probably. And, and the realm yeah. of even what's not distracting. So again, with the sneakers that that, uh, that Matt was wearing, I, I think I thought about it for a couple of seconds. Like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Interesting choice. I would not have thought about that. That surprised me. But then I forgot. And I yeah. started listening to the sermon. So I don't think that, that necessarily, I mean, even stuff that's on the fringe of what's appropriate today would necessarily register because so many people are used to seeing things that are outlandish and outrageous. Yeah. Not that you're, to your point, I don't think we should aspire to that, but I think there's a wide range of what's acceptable. Right. Yeah. Our sending pastor used to say, find the kind of what the, the average is and shoot for just above average. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I resonate with that. So I tell my kids that. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's helpful. Well, let's jump into Numbers 18, 19, and 20, our passage for today. Numbers 18, we're dealing with more priestly matters. The priests and the Levites are given uh, really a re-emphasized charge to guard the tabernacle here and to be accountable to prevent any of the Israelites from approaching in uh, an unworthy manner, uh, drawing more of, of God's wrath against them. Uh, and it's possible, it's kind of, how do these fit with the context of everything else that's been going on? Uh, with the wrath that we saw kindled in chapter 17. It's possible this is a response to the Israelites' cry there in verses 12 through 13 of of chapter 17. If you back up, it says, The people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish, we're undone, we're all undone. Everyone who comes near, everyone who comes near to the tabernacle, the Lord shall die, and are we all to perish? And so then in chapter 18, God kind of giving a a uh, rehashing of how to, to go about an appropriate approach and reminding the priests and the Levites of part of their, their duty and their obligation is to make sure that people don't approach in an unworthy manner. Uh, and so it's it, chapter 18 might be able to be seen or viewed as a response to that cry at the end of chapter 17 there. Yeah. I really like to, in the second half of chapter 18, we start looking at priestly income. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've encountered this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Verses eight through 20 handling the, the priestly dues. Um, what are they supposed to do there? By the way, in, in 1810, on that note, it, it talks about them eating in the most holy place. Uh, this is most holy place that is is really just emphasizing the holiness of the tabernacle as a whole. This is not that they're going into the Holy of Holies and, and partaking of the food here. That's a good uh, So this is not the same thing. Sometimes the Holy of Holies is called the most holy place. That's not what we're talking about in verse 10. Uh, this is a, just the, the tabernacle as a whole here. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's it's how to handle this and, and what to do with it. And there's giving that is there to support the priest. And we've talked about that. In fact, we were just talking about that before we hit record that uh, we've talked about giving quite a bit here. And it's not because we have a hobby horse, but it's because that's what the Bible's talking about and what the Bible's addressing here. And, and there is a New Testament parallel that uh, we as Christians are, are called to give and, and to give to the, the Lord's work and give back to God. And part of that does go to support pastors in doing the work of a full-time ministry to be able to devote themselves fully to the matters at hand of, of studying and counseling and, and uh, planning ministry and, and doing all the things that are, are involved in that. Yeah. I had a neighbor come over recently and he asked that very question. Well, how do you guys, how do you guys get paid? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's really simple. We get paid by the church. Yeah. The church gives money and that's where we get our money from. That's yeah. simple as that. And he's like, Oh, I never knew that. I, mean, I guess I don't, I don't know how he thought we got paid, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a, 
I guess common sense for us inside, but maybe not so much for those on the outside. But yeah, really the pastors get paid based upon that. And so is it so it is here with the Levites and the priests. And you'll notice that the Levites are called to tithe even of their income. Mm-hmm. So the high priest, Aaron, gets a tithe of the tithe, a tithe meaning tenth. So he gets a tenth of the tenth, which means that everyone's getting supported by the the offerings that are given. And that includes even the priestly class or the Levites themselves. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it before as pastors. That's that's our understanding as well is that we tithe as well or we give as well, right? Um, as far as uh, our our obligation to that. So, um, yeah, it's and it puts a, a a burden on us as pastors to make sure that we're wise stewards of our income in a unique way. I mean, if you're working for Chevron, you know, you're not being supported by the the church. This is not God's money that's being given to you to 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 pay your paycheck. I mean, it is in a sense, but is. not yeah. ultimately in the sense that you mean with the church, right? But it, so it's different. So that's why you know Pastor Rod sold his Rolls Royce I before did. he came out here because he didn't want it to really look like hurt, really hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, but we we do take that seriously, and that's something that we need to be careful about. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that when I was in Arizona, I was talking with a guy who's a Mormon who asked me. He was like, "So how does this work? Do you like?" Do you own the church? <laughs> yes. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Jesus does, buddy. Right. Right. So yeah, chapter 18, priestly matters, how to approach the tabernacle, what to do with the with the tithing, the, the gifts that are given, how that supports the priests. Uh, chapter 19, then we get into the red heifer. The red heifer. This is uh, an, an interesting situation because this is a cow that was sacrificed outside the camp, burned outside the camp. And, and I, I don't know if you've looked into any more the, the, the distinction between the clean place outside the camp and the unclean place outside the camp. I haven't really either. And, uh, and yet there is a distinction here. In this case, the ashes are kept in a clean place outside the camp because these ashes are then used for the purification rites when anyone would come into contact with a dead body. Which is frequently. Which is frequently. At this point, yeah, we're, we're about to enter the next uh, generation of people. So there is a, about to be a lot of death. Remember, they were yes. told, you're not going to enter the promised land. You're all going to die out here. Right. Hence the need for this chapter. Right. And so what happened, they would take some of the, the ashes, mix it with the water. That water was the, the water of purification and the people would be made clean through that process. Yeah, I just felt really bad for the cow. Like, it's always the gingers that get the short end of the stick, man. Always the gingers. Well, you know, they're in the <laughs> desert. The gingers sunburn really easily, so maybe yeah, this is an just, act of mercy. It's <laughs> okay, we're just going to take you out before the sun You don't want to be here. Come on. <laughs> All right, well, chapter 20 then. Chapter 20 is, is quite a tragic chapter for many reasons. Uh, starting out right away in verse 1, Miriam dies. Moses' sister. Oh. She dies, and uh, and part of that is the judgment against her as one of the the, the generation there, as well as her uh, rebellion against Moses' authority um, earlier in the book of Numbers. But then we get to a situation with the waters of Meribah. And so this sounds really familiar because early on, right out of the gate the in the wilderness, the people were grumbling, saying, hey, we don't have any water. And God told Moses, hey, go hit that rock, and I'm going to give water for the people. And so Moses did that. Well, here... Again, the people are quarreling, they're arguing, they're, they're grumbling. Pastor Rod, this might even be the new generation of people that have, have emerged at this point. Seems like it to me. Um, and so this may be the, the generation that will eventually take the, uh, the, the promised land for themselves. But they're here, they're grumbling, they're saying, we don't have water, would that we have perished in Egypt. Again, here it is again. And, uh, and so Moses goes to the Lord. And the Lord this time says to Moses in verse 8, tell the rock. So speak to the rock. Don't hit the rock. Speak to the rock before their eyes to yield its water. You jump down. Moses doesn't do this. He, verse 11, lifts up his hand and strikes the rock with his staff twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. 
God then confronts Moses and Aaron and says, because you did not believe me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, though you shall not, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I gave them. Hmm. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, this is sad. And this always grieves me. I always am like, oh man, I wish, I wish Moses had gotten to take them into the promised land. Um, yeah, because this is, is such a, a tragic and simple error on Moses' part and yet significant. And I think that's something for us to take away. This seems small. That he didn't speak to the rock, he hit the rock, yeah. and yet the, it, the the implications of his sin, which is what this was, uh, were were grave. As are the implications of any sin, and for Moses, this was going to cost him the opportunity to get into the promised land. Well, I think probably what's behind this is that Moses is angry at God. Perhaps it seems like there's a, a an expression of unrighteous anger toward him in striking the rock. And it's not it's not like he tapped it. Like, oh, dut, dut, you know, knock, 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 will you open up the water for me? It's no, he struck the rock. There was a sense of, of violence in his action. And it seems like it's, it's an expression of violence toward God himself, which is why God had to respond so harshly toward Moses. But in case you're feeling bad for Moses, Two things. One, he's going he's gonna to be in a much better place in the promised land. <laughs> so even though he's not in the promised land, right. he's going to be in a far better situation than, than his, his, uh, his progeny would be. But secondly, he does make it to the promised land, just not in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he's going to show up meeting Jesus, and he's going to be in the promised land. So he eventually does get there, just not yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's, it, because, and I think I mentioned this back when, when we talked about him speaking to the rock. It was a common practice, and I don't know how it all worked, but because of the, the porous nature of, these, of the rocks in the wilderness uh, of this region, they would store water. And a lot of times the way that the shepherds would draw water out of the rock was to hit the rock. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's question, was this Moses was angry with God or was this Moses was trusting in, in the, the, the natural way of getting water and, and trusting in himself or trusting in, in nature in that sense rather than trusting in God? Was this some combination of all of the things? Who knows? But uh, I, I, I do think, yeah, probably based on God's re- response that there was some anger there that, uh, that Moses was sinful in for sure. Mm. From here, then uh, the Israelites move on and uh, they go and they ask Edom. Now, remember Edom. Edom are the descendants of the Edomites are the descendants of Esau. And so there's a lot of tension here. There's a lot of family discord here between Israel and, and uh, Edom. And Edom is not going to let... Israel passed through and God has, uh, has you shall not pass. leading the people and, and they, they want to go through here and they even say, look, we're, we're not going to do anything. Um, we're not going to take anything from you. And yet Edom says, no, we're not going to let you go through. And so they are not allowed to pass through. And that's going to factor into Israel's relationship with Edom many, 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 many years from now and, many and continue on in the, even during the, the time of the Kings, there's going to be true. Uh, the, the tension there in, uh, during that season as well. Finally, we get the death of Aaron. And so, yeah, again, chapter 20 is just a, it's L after L after L. (laughs) It's like Miriam's gone. Moses disobeys. Edom doesn't want you to pass through. And now Aaron, the high priest is dead. And so this is significant. This is the, uh, the first high priest. And now he is dead. In verse 28, Moses takes off his vestments, his garments, and puts them on Eleazar, his son, who is going to play a role specifically in the life of Joshua, as we're going to see in uh, the not too distant future here. Uh, more so than he will in Moses' own life. But uh, yeah, Eleazar is the uh, successor to Aaron as the the high priest. 
Well, you might be asking how we came to the conclusion that we're actually looking at the next 40 year generation, the next generation involved here. Uh, and the reason why is because here we have the death of Aaron. So the death of Aaron is referenced later in chapter 33 of this same book in verse 38. And that's going to tell us, if you'll bear with me just a quick second here, 33, 38, which says, Aaron, the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there in the 40th year after the people of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. And Aaron was 123 years old when he died there. So if we're trying to put the pieces together here, it seems like chapter 20 is the 40th year for probably the whole thing. Uh, his sister dies, he dies. They're probably about the same age, you know, within a few years, obviously. But that, that's why we would say this is probably the new generation of Israelites. Yep. Yeah, it's a helpful time marker for us. So yeah, chapter 18, 19, and 20, uh, priestly matters. We've got the red heifer in chapter 19. And then in chapter 20, you've got uh, people dying and Moses disobeying. So um, yeah, God cares about his holiness. I mean, that's kind of a, a common theme throughout these three chapters. And that's so much of the book of Numbers as a whole. But chapter 18, hey, God cares about his holiness and how the priests conduct themselves. Chapter 19, God cares about his holiness and the defilement of people that come into contact with the dead. And so he's going to provide the red heifer. And then chapter 20, uh, is God caring about his holiness in the the execution of his uh, his justice and his judgment against uh, Miriam, Moses, and Aaron in that chapter? So. Yeah, that's a big line there. Verse uh, verse 12, to, to, he, he didn't uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Right. That's Moses's failure. And, and certainly we can do the same thing. We, we may not be Moses, obviously none of us are, but we can do the same thing with our congregation as pastors. We can do that as parents. We can do that as, and we could do that as, neighbors and fail to uphold God as holy. And to, to what you're saying here, God cares probably much more about his holiness than we care about it. Mm -hmm. um, this is why one of the things that we as a church are passionate about is maintaining a high view of God and maintaining a high view of God in part means that we esteem his holiness. We seek to protect his honor. We want to protect his glory and his fame. And we don't want to give him a bad reputation because of our misdeeds. So you should feel the burden about that. You should not feel like because God is gracious and that theme dominates the New Testament, that he's still not a holy God. Yeah. Peter reminds us, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. Don't forget that. Yep. Yep. Also, don't stop reading your Bibles. Keep reading them. Join us again tomorrow as we keep going in the book of Numbers. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. <laughs>